0: I hate to be introduced as a Olympian because I have two hip replacements currently. Because of that, I wouldn't change it, but those days are clearly over, (laughs) y'all. You know, I think of, uh, it is always a privilege and a blessing for me to be here with at least our daughter, the second daughter um, that has the four children. They're done, they said. So um, I guess no more from them. (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm an only child, and I remember asking, God, would you give me a tribe? You know, I-, I wanted to be able to have a family reunion, and you know, a family reunion of three just doesn't quite make it. <laughs> and so I realized that now to see that God is beginning to answer that prayer, to see the grandchildren, and to see the values and the characteristics that we were we taught them and wanted to instill in them. And now to begin to see some of those same types of things that are being instilled in these grandchildren. And I pray that will come in the next generation that would be the great-grandchildren. It's kind of like Father Abraham. And this says, what a privilege, Lord. What a joy to be a part of that. But you know, that there is also with being a part of the heavenly family. You know, if we call ourselves, you know, followers of Christ, you guys are my family too. So it's like coming back to the reunion. And there are certain values, characteristics, that the Lord desires. And, you know, it's kind of like in the book of Acts, you know, when he was telling the early church, don't shrink back. Don't shrink back from doing the purposes of God. And, he, you know, to encourage them in that way. And they saw the body of Christ grow as a result. And so, the same with us. There's certain things that God says that, you know, you barely need to click this clicker. <laughs> <laughs> that the Lord says um, there's three myths that I'm going to bring up. And the first myth is that. You know, it's only those missionaries that are to do certain things. You know, it's those missionaries that are supposed to have the certain fruit. Right? Yeah, I see you shaking your head. Yeah. Um, Because God has called them. You see, the first myth is that only certain people produce fruit. And the second myth is that, well, only certain people are called. And yet, I begin to look at what John fifteen sixteen says. And it's, you know, and God tells us that I chose you. You didn't choose me. You think you had something to do with it. You didn't. I plucked you out in for my purpose to produce. Notice in there, that word again, fruit, characteristics, values. I want you to reflect me. Just like I desire that our children would be a reflection. When they were to leave that house, remember, you're a Johnson. Y'all probably got that too. You know, whatever your last name. Remember where you're from. (laughs) And it's like God says, don't shrink back. Remember where you're from. It's not just fruit for some. And it's not just called out for certain ones, those special ones, those missionaries but it's an all-call, an all-call. And yet, you know, depending on how we're going to respond, if the third myth is, if we believe the first one, that only certain people have gifts, and the second is that only certain people are called, then you see the third myth means, I'm exempt from any responsibility i'm exempt and yet we are all familiar with the first and greatest commandment what is it we shall love the with all our heart our soul depending on the king james or what version might or mind and you know We all know that one, but there's a second one. He says, but there's a second command that's just as important as that first one. And that is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to talk about, no, not just certain people are to produce fruit. No, only certain people are called out. You know, that's those missionaries. And so the third is that, so that, hey, I'm home free. I'm exempt. No, it's an all call. No matter what our age, no matter what our background, it's an all call. Father, we pray today that we all have neighbors. But sometimes we question if you know who our neighbors are. But I thank you that this is not a church call. It is not just something that is a feel-good call. But it's where you have said, if you love me with all your heart, then you are to love your neighbors. I pray today that would you not spur stir our hearts and would you not help us to take even more steps than what we have been towards those neighbors that we may know, that we may not know, and some we don't want to know. And yet they're still our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, we are to love our neighbors. And yet with that, how? Okay, you've said we're to produce fruit. All right, God, I get it. I'm not exempt anymore. And you chose me. You said you chose me so that the fruit would be there. But what do I do with it? How do I do that? And I say to embrace your neighbors. Now, that sounds really good, doesn't it? Okay, there's COVID. Okay, I'm working 60 hours a week. Well, you don't know my neighbors, God. I don't know what kind of things we may say. And they're real. They are real. But the Lord says, embrace. You know, it's kind of like that first, ask God to open our eyes. Some of us have been in our neighborhoods all of our life. Some of us, whatever the years, you know, we begin to get comfortable. And the reality is that just like the, uh, the disciples, three years he spent with Jesus. Three years, these men, 12 men, very intimate, ate, drank saw miracles, all kinds of things. They were intimate with this man. And yet, he even prepared them for when he was gonna be crucified. And yet, once he was crucified, what did some of them do? They ran so they could go to the upper room. Oh my gosh, where is he? He's gone. They forgot the teaching. They forgot everything. A couple of them said, well, I'm going to go back fishing. See, that's secure. <laughs> and then God opened their eyes, and they saw him. Sometimes I know I need to ask God, open my eyes and see those that I haven't seen before in my neighborhood. You know, the ones that seem, eh, I don't know about him. I don't know about her. They're a little different Or their music are loud or I don't know, you know, this is a home association. They should be cutting their grass. What's the problem here? Maybe I should help about. But whatever it is, God open my eyes, first of all, if I'm to embrace anyone, so I can see them in your light. And then to meet them. Meet them. Yeah, Lorna, this isn't realistic. Time is precious, but I'm reminded in Ecclesiastes where God says, you know, there's enough time in the day for death, for life, for crying, for laughing. It's amazing. In, in, in Scripture, it talks about how there's enough time in 24-7 to do all that God desires to be done. And God's the one who commanded it You are to love your neighbor. You know, it's interesting. We'll raise our hand. I love the Lord with all my heart, my soul. He's a lover. And yet, the second he says, are you loving your neighbor? If we're not loving our neighbors, can we wave our hand so proudly that we're loving our God? I remember when we moved here to Minnesota and uh, literally gave birth to our youngest child. Gave birth a few weeks, a week or so later, we moved here. And um, someone from uh, Kari in the north side, and she worked with the hospitality house. And she had heard that this crew mom was coming in. And so she called me. Hmm. She called the missionary. And said, hey, I heard that you're with crew, and I'd like to reach out to my neighbors. What about if we do this early family childhood class together? Our children were young. It was amazing how this gave us an opportunity to learn more about our community, to learn who was in our community, and to learn how to minister to these women that were in our community Great. Sometimes we need someone else to be with us. Sometimes it's just so overwhelming by ourselves. Just having that other person to be next to us makes a difference. So then we moved to to Orlando, and I can remember (laughs) that Dirk had us this house that we were going to move in, and it said, um, Golf Resort Villa. Doesn't that sound like a retirement home place? I said, Dirk. I know we're getting older, but we haven't gotten there yet. And then only to find out that it was nothing like I, the the title of the little cul de sac of forty four houses that we lived in. But um, I remember that we and we had this little lap pool. We'd never had a little pool or something before. And so I got my tri- my I mean my stationary bike. I put it out by the pool because it was so nice. And I started doing my, you know, my, my, I can't run anymore because they sit with my replaced hips. So I could run in the pool and I do my stationary bike, move my arms like I'm going. But I noticed that all these people were going by and I was fenced in and I thought, how can I meet my neighbors? So I picked my stationary bag, bike up, walked it. To the garage, open the garage door, and start it. Seven o'clock every morning, out there. I can do that in Florida. I wouldn't suggest y'all to do that now. <laughs> so I'm riding my, pedaling my bike, and my arms are going. People are driving their cars. I see them walking the dog. Everybody seems like everybody has dogs in that 44 houses there, except us. And so, It seemed like it took a year before anyone responded to me, but I still. And then finally, I remember one day, I was on the bike and God, Myra was walking with her little dog, and He says, "Get off the bike." You know how sometimes you hear this audible voice and it's in your head. Get off the bike. Go to her. Says, "How you doing, Myra?" Says, "I just found out my husband has cancer." I put my arms up. You guys, she just felt. Now, this is a 70-year-old woman. Now, mind you, I really didn't know her that well. That's how I knew people. (laughs) And she just started crying. And I just started praying. She was from a Catholic background. When she realized what I was doing, she kind of straightened up real quick. But God opened up doors to go and talk with her just to be present with her, just to ask, how is Lee doing? Sometimes it's just our presence is all that's needed for a neighbor. And so when we say embrace our neighbors, it's just to invite them into our life. Not something extra, just what you're already a part of. And you're going to say, you probably asked that question earlier, with what? So how am I going to embrace them? And with what am I going to embrace them with? Well, some of you are called have all kind of gifts. And I call these your toolbox. You know, now my husband has a toolbox, but how he uses a hammer and how I use a hammer is slightly (laughs) different, especially a screwdriver or whatever. And the same with you. There are things in your toolbox. A teacher, some are good listeners. Some of you are mechanics. You know, a neighbor, you see them messing with their car or whatever and or, or, you know, they need a jump and and you go and help a neighbor. That can start another conversation. Oh, you know, what about this? What about that? Those of you will bake. You know, they're young moms. You think, "Ah, I'm so overwhelmed with moms. But some have taken and they've gotten with other moms and they've Taking their babies and they prayer walk around the abortion clinic. They just go there having, wishing with their children, and they're praying around the abortion clinic. What can I do? Poopy diapers, snotty nose. What can I do? Amazing to get to know your neighbors. I don't know about you, but I know that there's something that God has given you even without knowing you because God was the one who commanded us to not only love him, but to love our neighbor. He says, I handpicked you. I handpicked you that you would bear fruit. And with handpicking you, he says... I will accomplish my purpose, not yours. For me to embrace my neighbors, I had to be willing to give of my time. You see, I've got this, this thing and all the day planned out. But can I trust you, God, in the midst of giving my time that I see someone in the midst of what I'm currently doing and you can recoup that time Because I'm using it for him. Not just, it's my time. Maybe it's bartering. I have this one neighbor. Everybody knows her. And she knows everybody. You know that person that just seems like she knows everybody's business? And our HO, I got written up. Because I had, we have these trees right behind where the pool is, and there was a little green. I hadn't gotten to green on the screen. We got written up because there was green on the screen. Maybe some of you are thinking, "That's right, you should have got written up." I'm thinking, "Hello, it's high pollen season right now, you know." But we got written up for it. You know, she just seems like that inspector for every little thing. And sometimes I've gotten to know her well. I've brought her into the house. We've had tea together. And sometimes I says, Linda, you just are being a grouch right now. I have enough of a relationship in the way I say it. She just, oh, smiles. And, and then we go on. That, when I say you're being a grouch right now, it allows us to move off her being grouchy. And so, um, but this one time she brought over this doll. And let me tell you. I have been, we've been, as missionaries, gone into people's houses, and I've seen all of these porcelain dolls. I always think they're fabulous. And we have three little girls. Man, when they were young, American dolls were huge. I pleaded with Dirk. Can't we get the girls an American doll? Now, I know they're expensive, but they're valuable. You know, he says, those dolls can't feed us. <laughs> you know, guys mentality. But anyway... So she does these little home, home presentations and, you know, these little festival things. And she does porcelain dolls. And I just happen to talk about, man, I've always longed for one. She brought this doll over, what you're looking at. Not only that, don't take this personally. I've never seen a black porcelain doll before. Yeah, have y'all seen one? I've never seen one. She brings me this doll. And I says, Linda, thank you. Wow, for giving this. She said, oh, I'm not giving it to you. You see, on the back of my wall in our living room, and she's come in, when the girls began to leave the house, I says, God, what can I do with my art? I don't want to lose it. You know, you don't use it. You lose it, right? Yeah. And so I started doing pictures, faces for people. I thought, a friend of mine just died. Her father, not the friend, but her father died. I don't know what words to say. I says, would you give me a picture of you and then of your father? And I just drew the picture and then gave it. Then No one asked me. It's just, okay, God, who's next? And at that time, I was flying from one part of the country or whatever, and I could pretty well do a portrait for somebody. And God used that to minister. My toolbox was art at that moment. So she says, she brings the doll, and then she says, Oh, no, I want you to do a picture for my daughter and son. And so I'm thinking it's of them. They're animals. I haven't done animals in years. And I says, oh, my gosh. I says, Lord, please help these to come out well. Because I felt this was a payment. It was a payment. And this doll was beautiful. Valuable. Maybe there's something that you have to offer in your toolbox to sub- this neighbor over here, you know. And there's something that they have that you have. Bartering That used to be real common, and we've kind of lost that. Hmm. Lorna, this sounds great, but I'm an introvert. See, I can't understand introvert. I have the gift of gab, so for me, you can understand that. That's why I can go... An introvert is like, is there something wrong? (laughs) Why are you doing that? (laughs) And yet, God is the one again who's given us the command to love our neighbors. He's the one that says, I want you to reflect me. I want you to love them. Throughout the Old Testament to the New, God took ordinary people, Moses, stuttered Moses I want you to speak I stutter I will give you the words to say Joshua Joshua over and over again to lead the people and God says be strong and courageous you see I'm with you I will give you the words to say I'll even show you how to use your tool if you will allow for me to And I love that. I say this, I sing the little song to myself. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, whom shall I fear? Well, that guy looks a little creepy over there. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Well, what will my friends think if I go over and introduce myself? And I have to remember that God is my light. And he desires for that light to be shown through me because he's chosen me. He wants me to produce the fruit. And he says, Are you available? You know, in closing, the fruit, the chosen, love your neighbor. None of us are exempt. But in closing, I want to introduce you to Irina Settler. <laughs> Isn't that a great face? <laughs> I mean, she just, just kind of, it just seems like one of those nanas. You just want to kind of go up and just hug. But she was in a predicament back in the World War II, and she lived in Poland, and she lived next to the Warsaw Ghetto. In this ghetto were 450,000 Jews that lived there. Irina says she had a motive, iterial motive. She realized those are my neighbors. And she says, I know what's going to go on. Because she's, I'm a German. So I know what's going to happen. Irene was a social worker, but Irina had a toolbox. About this size. She had a toolbox and she took a a sack, a larger sack, and she decided that and got approval to become a sewer. (laughs) Sewer connoisseur? A sewer, you know, to go in. And I thought, now I can love my neighbors, but God, are you calling me to have to deal with their poop too? Sometimes he is. Sometimes he is. And poop stinks. Poop is messy. But sometimes God still has us. It's life. So she goes in and she drives in. But as she drives in, she's trained her dog to bark whenever the guards would come close to the truck. When she would go in and when she would go back. You see, when she was going back out, she had an infant in the bottom of her toolbox. And in the larger sack, she had a smaller child. You see, the dogs covered the sound of the children. 2,500 children is recorded that she was able to save. the Nazis found out. They broke her legs. They broke her arms. They tortured her. But she would not give up where the children were or their names. You see, Irene had hidden the names of the 2,500 in a jar and buried it underneath a tree. After the war, she pulled the names out and she began to find, uh, to try to find out where the parents were to bring them back together. Well, most of the parents couldn't be found because they were gassed. But 2,500 infants and children were able to have a family adoption. How many of your neighbors might be in one of your jars as you use your toolbox for the Lord what is your toolbox are we proclaiming I love the Lord then what about this neighbor father we thank you so much I can't imagine what Irina must have felt. What she must have gone through. A little glimpse of what you did, Jesus, for us. And how much there is someone in our neighborhood that needs to know the love of you. Will you not open our eyes? Help us to see what we haven't seen before. Help us to hear what we haven't heard. And may you take our lives and produce the fruit that you said you've called us for. In Jesus' name.